This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the View from the Cop Liverpool FC Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Wheelock, and I'm delighted to be joined by two of our regulars, Paul Philbin. Hello. And Matt Addison. Hello. And now, the last time we recorded this podcast at the end of last month, it was at the end of last month, and since then, Liverpool have won a further seven games on the run to remain very much in the running for an incredible Premier League and Champions League double. Uh, we'll start with the Premier League, lads. You know, we're recording this a day after Man City won at Burnley to go one point clear at the top. You know, there's, there's never been a title race like this. So, Paul, Matt, what are your feelings going into these final two games of this season? <laughs> I don't know. It's weird because, for me, Tot- it, the Tottenham game felt like a huge blow when City beat them. Um, and then a few day- a week later, we beat Cardiff, and then I'm starting to believe again. Then they beat United. I didn't expect anything yesterday, but the longer it goes on, the less likely it looks that we'll win the title. But... Pressure does crazy things. That's the only thing we've got to hope for now. And if we don't win it, it'll be ridiculous. But it also, even though everyone just wanted to see us go for it this season, we've done that. And we're not going anywhere next season. It'll be exactly the same again. It's a shame that now you need 100 points to win the title. <laughs> and it's going to be like that. As long as Guardiola's a Man City, that is the, the standard now. Watching Liverpool this season, we can't have any complaints. If Liverpool come second to a fantastic Manchester City team, they couldn't really have done a lot more. And to make up, I think it was a 25-ish point gap to Manchester City last season, to even get close is a fantastic achievement. And as much as it will be disappointing if Liverpool don't end up getting the trophy at the end of the season, Jurgen Klopp and the players have have done so fantastically well. And, And like Paul says, Liverpool are going to be there next season. You'd imagine the title race is going to be between the same two teams very very similar next season so as much as it would be disappointing Liverpool can bounce back straight away and, and hopefully go for it again next season You're watching the City games at the moment my mate texted us yesterday he's got a Fitbit and he, uh, he showed us his heart rate before the game <laughs> during then after and it was like double like how are you managing uh, to do that well, at the moment? Well one of our lads um, I didn't go to Chelsea at home but one of our lads he, he's got it on his watch as well. When Salah scored, 146 beats per minute. That's Chelsea. like a good jog, that isn't uh, it? It's ridiculous, but I, I don't know. Like I'm watching City's games, not expecting anything. But then when you're playing United, my stomach was in bits. Like I'm really nervous. And then yesterday, I um, well Sunday because this is going out on a Tuesday. Sunday, I just I tried to sleep. I just didn't want to watch it. I was. So I to go and she'll be going to town do a bit of shopping and just not take our phones, just completely zone out. But it was just impossible because the closer I got to kick off, the more you want to watch it just in case something happens. But <laughs> And we'll watch next Monday night as long as we do the business against Newcastle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've found myself watching Manchester City every single week. Um, th- there's been a bit of each game as well where you think, it might just happen here. In that first half an hour against United, you think if Rashford makes a better decision on a couple of occasions or even yesterday against Burnley, you know, there was a point you thought, well, they've got to half time and it's nil-nil and, and you're starting to, to build your hopes up a little bit. Then and then They should have had the penalty and yeah. Yeah. still have missed a great chance. All yeah. these things, you start thinking, oh, yeah. Yeah. Looking at City, the last few games, they do look tired and Leicester will give, will give them a game, a good side, but... If you at the start of the season, if you're the ones, you need City to drop points against Leicester, one of Leicester or Brighton with the final, so you'd be like, no chance. But 
as I said before, Press, you can do crazy things. If we beat Newcastle, I will be watching and will believe that Leicester will get something, but we'll have to wait and see. It says it all, Matt, really. Just everything about this race is incredible. And the fact that next weekend is a big part of the narrative will be two Liverpool managers who took the close so close <coughs> to, that, to that first Premier League title. Brendan Rodgers, manager less than now, as we all know, and Rafa Benitez in charge of Newcastle. Taking all that sentiment aside, how do you think Brendan and Rafa will approach these kind of games? It's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, Newcastle are obviously safe now and, and they can afford to go for it a little bit. I think that should be a good game and I think Liverpool will fancy themselves to, to get through that. Um, and then on Monday night, Leicester have, have done quite well recently. Jamie Vardy's in form. Um, Brendan Rodgers, obviously, they beat Arsenal over the weekend, which is completely different to playing Manchester City. But that, that's just another thing that, that's adding up to give me a little bit of hope. You never know. Um, and as you say, what a narrative it would be. Brendan obviously got the club so close uh, in 2013-14 and maybe there's a, a little job that can be finished. You, you just never know. One thing you can say about the Brendan Rodgers' side is they want to sit back. Yeah. And any time the City have dropped points this season, it's when somebody's had to go at them. Leicester done it. In, yeah, their place, didn't they? At their place. Like, the thing I keep holding on to was um, in December, Leicester beat them to put it in our hands. Uh, back then and I wasn't at the game that day, that day I think we played Cardiff maybe can't remember but either way the, the, the celebrations when the Leicester score was coming through apparently was unbelievable and stuff so there's that hope and I was talking to an older fellow the other day um, and he was saying that like any time that Leicester have had a say in the past on Liverpool like some title races Leicester have just done, <laughs> done something that's like handled is it so there's history there as well apparently I'm not sure how true that is but I believe him so I'll, I'll believe anything yeah take anything yeah that's an what uh, Phil Bow says there like I watched the highlights of yesterday and then watched the United game and I, I thought Burnley and you know, he played into City's hands in a way because they just a lot of teams this season they are an incredible team says there's no getting away from it but just sit back against them but then you watch Tottenham in that second leg of the Champions League quarterfinal and they had a go and there are chances against this City defence maybe Leicester looking at Leicester Brighton if any team's going to have a go it's going to be Leicester Yeah you, you'd, you'd certainly think so I mean you look at the teams that have got joy against Manchester City this season and like you say they've gone for a Leon as well in the, the group stage of the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, you'd, definitely. You'd home and away. Home and away, yeah. And, and Leicester are sort of a similar team from, from what I know of Leon. Um, so, you know, you'd expect Brendan to go for it. They've got pace, they've got, you know, quality. James Madison, I think, has been absolutely fantastic. I would, wouldn't mind him coming to Liverpool in the summer. Um, you know, if, if they get one or two chances, you'd expect them to, to score at least once Leicester. And then it's a case of, of can they hold on at the other end? As I said before, you, you never know, but I'll certainly be watching in hope. Speaking of Leicester, I remember we recorded one of these podcasts uh, around January, February time, wasn't it? After a 1-1 draw at home uh, for Liverpool against the Foxes. And I know, Paul, you particularly were critical about yeah, the atmosphere. Really that, that you're, really, you're really strong on it. But, you know, on Friday night or in recent home games, it's changed, hasn't it? And for the better. Well, that's it. I think, I think everybody realised that night how much of an important role the fans have because if that Leicester game would have been like it was on Friday night there's no doubt in my mind we'd have got the three points that anxiety and tension coming from the crowd that night did have an effect on the players don't care what anybody says whatever the players say saying 
can't really tell. It's just a game of football. It's not. Since then, Anfield's been spot on. I can't really think of a moment, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes against Tottenham where people were really nervous. But apart from that, it's been great. But going back to the Leicester game, what are you saying about Man City? The last year or so, I've noticed something about Kyle Walker and his tweets that come to bite him, on the, <laughs> um, bite him back on the um, the bum, let's say. And after Leicester drew, he tweets that, no, that picture of Harry Maguire yeah. talking and he's like, so they were going to go seven points clear. He did it against Tottenham in the Champions League. So if you're in the up, he did one with us in the Champions League last season. So I've just got the link to that uh, tweet saved, <laughs> just in case. So, yeah. But the atmosphere, <laughs> Liverpool fans know what to do. Um, it's good the, in a way, the last home game, no matter what, City are playing at the same time. So we don't really, even though you'll be able to get taken on the ground, you've just got to focus on us. Whatever they do, they do. There's, there's no pressure. If we score an early goal, that'll get through to them. And who knows what press you can do, as I said before. I can remember in 2013-14, uh, Suarez scored a free kick against Newcastle about 10 minutes in, but it was disallowed for some reason. If that would have went in before City had scored against West Ham, who knows what would have happened. And it's looking likely that City will have to win on the last day, mm-hmm. whereas then they just didn't have to lose. Mm-hmm. So Anfield still has a massive, massive part to play. And... Two potentially huge games as the last two of the season: Barcelona in the European Cup semi-final, Wolves at home. One time, one time, needs to be a Liverpool fan. And you know, I don't know about you, Matt, but I, I watch Klopp's press conferences, listen to Klopp's press conferences as part of my job, and and I think Phil was spot on there. The, the role of the fans is absolutely massive in in seasons like this, all the time, but particularly in seasons like this. Do you think Jurgen Klopp's got it spot on as well? You know, his, his demeanour. He seems really relaxed, doesn't he? He's not really going in for mind games. He's not getting involved in anything he shouldn't do. Have you been really impressed? Not only what a football manager he is but how he's, he's dealt with it all yeah absolutely I mean he's obviously been involved in, in title races in the past and with Pep Guardiola as well I think both of them have, have come out with huge credit this season because there's none of the you used to see it with you know Sir Alex Ferguson and try and, or Mourinho or, or Mourinho yeah. or you know Wenger even it'd get involved and, and try and get somebody else to, to just bite and, and you know take their eye off the ball for a second and, and neither of them have done that I think obviously from a Liverpool perspective, for, for Jürgen to, to be in his press conferences, as you say, being so calm, that transfers then to the players and it transfers to the fans. Obviously, earlier in the season, there was a, a couple of nervy moments in the stands, but we've since learned from that. The players have, have been calm throughout and, and that's only a, a good thing for the future as well. Whatever happens this season, it, it kind of, it, it's shown now that Liverpool know how to, to be part of a title race. They've got that experience and it's not going to be any different next season is it there's no reason to to change the approach so it's it's certainly put Liverpool in a good stead um, for the future yeah that belief has got to be there and it's just a remarkable statistic but it's worth bringing up again after beating Huddersfield it's now two years officially since the last home league defeat uh, for Liverpool and, and, and beat Wolves or you know heaven forbid draw but get a good result the needed result against Wolves it's going to be two full seasons in the Premier League without losing at home you know when you get like guys go to game now, are you just you know it's just Liverpool yeah. at home? I, yeah. I've said in the past. I think I said it last season when we played Man, United, Man City in the Champions League. I was, Manchester City coming to Anfield on the European night. There's nothing down for them. 
And that mentality is now amongst the fans that anyone coming to Anfield, you might as well not turn up because at best you're getting a draw. Simple as that. There's that fear factor is back there. It's something that we haven't had for years. Even under, under Benitez, you knew the team could easily come and take points off us. Whereas now, <laughs> nobody is, apart yeah. from Leicester and City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you're going into the ground week in, week out, just expecting Liverpool to, to pick up the three points or obviously in, in a cup competition to progress. Um, and that that's only a healthy thing. I think part of that is is the fans' confidence and part of that mm-hmm. is just the players' confidence as well. They're coming in on the bus every week going, well, we won last week, so why not win again? You know. And in recent years, if Liverpool aren't 1-0 up after 20, 25 minutes, there's always been that. The nerves have creeped in with the fans, whereas now we're just like, we're going to score soon. It's yeah. fine, don't worry about it. And it's the best way to be if the fans know that, the players know that, everyone knows that, the opposition know that. So, yeah, it's fine. And it's not bad when you've got a centre-half like Jason uh, Van Dijk, is it? Because, as you say, the players Liverpool have got up front now, you know, goals coming defensively. It's, like, it's just unreal. He's just been named a PFA Player of the Year. Every every game I watch him, just think, what an outstanding footballer he is. I can't remember a season as consistent. The, like, the performance level hasn't dropped at all. I kind of want to see him tested a bit. See if he's human. He just he strolls through games. And he's like, just wait for Messi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What a battle that's going to be, isn't it? Well, Messi's hit a bit deeper, so we might not get anywhere near him. But it's just just watching him. Like the other night against Huddersfield, like once we were two 0 up, like you can relax and look out for other things. And I was next to me, mate, and just saying that I went. His arms must be knackered by the end of the game because he's pointing here and there, and it's non-stop for ninety minutes. Like he's. He's incredible. Like I said last season on our end of season podcast, that if Van Dyke would have been there for the full season last year, he would have been our player of the year because he was that good. He, ch- he changed everything, and it's proven it this year. He is just absolutely ridiculous. Can you ever remember Matt watching years watching Liverpool players come at, come in and just had like that transformative effect? Phil Boy was talking about then. No, I mean it's hard to to even put into words the the impact that he's had, not just on on Liverpool as a team but on individual players alongside him you know we've we've absolutely raved about Joe Gomez and, and Joel Matip in recent weeks and I, as much as those two players deserve huge huge credit for their performances I'm not sure they'd quite have been at that same level had Virgil van Dijk not been alongside them and you know he's he's absolutely a deserved winner of the PFA player of the year award I'm sure it'll be Liverpool's player of the year you know for most of this season I think he's just strolled through he's not even didn't even try against Huddersfield on Friday. Like he just, he was smiling. He was enjoying himself, passing a few balls about. Didn't really have a lot of defending to do. Just, just having a great time, you know. He's also he's changed the mentality of the fans because his calmness is now there within the fans. Because before he was there, no matter what who you were playing, you'd always knew there was going to be some kind of ridiculous thing to happen in, in the ground that won't go our way. Whereas now nobody expects it, and it's down to him. It's well, the spine. Look at Allison; he's cool. Fabinho, all these players that have come in. They, they just there's a there's an arrogance that you like in not, a good way. In isn't a good it? way, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like totally you just agree. Know, totally just, agree. They just know that they're good. Like Virgil Van Dijk knows he's the best centre half in the world. I don't care. Like he'll he'll come in the press and say I'm one of the best or whatever. He just knows it because he is. He's ridiculous. Yeah. When when Liverpool concede a goal now. 
it's a shock. Yeah. Um, you, know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you certainly couldn't say that when Jurgen Klopp first came in. You know, the, the transformation has just been been unbelievable. Definitely. And I was watching it on Friday and I was just admiring Andy Robinson like I do most <laughs> matches. But it kind of, and we'll come on to that, like that attacking force that he is in a minute. But it must be just great knowing I can go, I can go. I've got Van Dyke behind yeah. me. You know, oh, like it's much that for a lot, it just got kind of on the lines just how important it is that a fullback can play like a left winger because he's got that, you know, insurance behind just him. Just like Ashley Cole for Chelsea with the John with Terry, Terry. Yeah, well, yeah. Carvalho more so. Born player he was as well. Like, yeah. I think Carvalho made John Terry the player he was, yeah. to be honest. But Ashley Cole, the amount of assists he picked up in the season was down to those two being there behind him because if a winger got in behind, oh, one of them will pick it up, it's fine. It's, it's the same with Robertson and Trent on the other side. They know that they've got one, well, two centre-halves who can deal with things behind them. So, and Pete, like the midfield sitting, like the midfielder sitting deep can cover that space as well. It's great. The balance in the team at the minute is unbelievable. Totally agree. You know, we've, we've done on this podcast and all our podcasts talking about maybe a number 10 in the summer or last summer. Obviously, ever since Philip Coutinho, we will come on to in a moment, has left. But do you think, really, is that much of a priority when you've got two fullbacks like Trent and Andy Robinson who, who are creating like 10, 12, 13 assists a season themselves? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You wonder how many assists would they have got had Nabil Fakir been signed last summer? Would that have changed the dynamic somewhat? Um, it's impossible, obviously, to, to tell now, but... The importance of, of fullbacks in Liverpool's team, you, you just cannot underestimate that. And that's why when people talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold potentially moving into midfield, you think, well, why not just leave him at fullback? He's, he's getting the assists. He's doing fantastically well there. He's still only young. Why, why not go and be the best right back in the world instead of instead of moving him about? So obviously we know with with Jurgen Klopp's teams how much of an emphasis he puts on those fullbacks, and, and he gives them a license to go forward helped with Van Dijk's uh, ability at the back but you just it's amazing I don't know how many assists it is exactly but it's roughly 20 between two fullbacks I think most Premier League midfields wouldn't wouldn't get that many you know so it, to have those two players they are probably the best two fullbacks in the league um, and to have them for a combined cost of 8 million quid as well you know mm. it, just, it just speaks wonders doesn't it The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Great bit of business. I think we've wrapped up the Premier League title talk and their admiration for the defence there. But you've got to go on to Barcelona because this is the game that's taking place after this podcast is recorded. Philbo, you're going out there later. I bet you can't wait for this oh, one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we fly to Parma tonight, so yeah, and then get to Barcelona on Tuesday morning. Should be a load of fun. It's weird because I think I've said it a few times. The European Cup this year has just been put to one side for me it's all been about the league title now all of a sudden we're in a semi-final against Barcelona and it's the more of the likely two that we're going to win it's a proper European tie it's you can have you like I remember saying when we played PSG in the group stages it didn't feel like even though they win the French League they've got amazing players they're not a big European side they're just from the French League at the end of the day aren't yeah. they so but this has a proper feel to it and if we go on to the final and win the European Cup even though throughout the season nobody's really spoken about the campaign you look back and go Barcelona Munich Napoli Porto, Porto Paris, Paris. it's been an amazing run like and whereas people said we had an easy run to the final last season this season not so much 
Yeah, it'd be great. You know, and it's, it's going to be sunny. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad here on Merseyside either at the moment. Matt, you've been to uh, all the home games, the European ones. Do you, you have a similar attitude almost? Like there's, there's less pressure there almost like last season. Like this is fun. Whereas up until maybe not, maybe even recently, like you say, there is stresses involved with going for a league title. And that's certainly that first one since 1990. Yeah, I think it's it's partly the competition. Historically, Liverpool have done well in it. So we, we're kind of used to, to sort of to, to get into the latter stages and, and partly it's, as you say, obviously a 29-year wait for a league title. It, it's been a bit weird in a way that the Champions League's almost been a night off, in a sense, for the fans this season because you think, well, it'd be quite good if we got through, yeah. obviously, but the league at the weekend is, is the main priority and that's helped us out massively because you think about games like PSG and Napoli, ordinarily they'd be stressful, but instead... They haven't been, they've just, no. they've just been a joy to be yeah. at, which, you know, as fans in the stands, that's that, that's the ideal way for it to be, really. Definitely, you know, Liverpool, as you both mentioned, they've got this long history with this this competition, but you can't forget where the club was when Klopp first came in. Fair. And like, is it testament to the job that he's done that you're going there, mate, on Wednesday, actually expecting to, to maybe get something? And, and just like to uh, reference one of our recent podcasts, Ale La Rouge with Peter Hooten, they had Andy Mitten, you know, the United uh, supporter, yeah, United yeah. We Stand editor, and he spends a lot of his time in Barcelona. And he was actually saying he knows diehard Barca fans who will be going that game, who go away from home. And they're saying, we actually fear Liverpool because they are a better team. We've got Messi, but they, you look at the oh, piece, it, yeah. it's incredible. This is three years yeah. he's been done this. Yeah, I, what's, what's crazy as well is compared to everywhere just before Klopp come in even when Klopp come in I'm going to my third European semi-final in yeah. four years yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Madness. it's crazy like it, um, but yeah I honestly I fancy to go over there and teach them a lesson like I've moaned about Klopp's record in away from home in Europe in the group stages but when he get into them knockouts and it's incredible like Jürgen Klopp hasn't been knocked out of Europe for over 1500 days same with Liverpool. Last time Liverpool knocked out of Europe was Besiktas away. I know we've been beating in finals, but... But never over a tie, is it? Over a tie, we tie. haven't been knocked out since Besiktas when Lovren skied that penalty. I think Klopp got knocked out by Real Madrid with Dortmund since then. Both of them have been ever-present in Europe right until the end, apart from the season that we weren't playing in it after the Europa League. I have no fear of Barcelona. Like I watched when we were in Porto, we watched the, uh, the second leg. Um, in the bar that first 10 minutes United had a lot of chances yeah. and we could, all could turned down free up, we they? all turned down to each other and went if Barca let us do this there's nothing down for them because we're a lot more clinical than Man United and we're a lot more solid Barca can have a go but Liverpool won't capitulate like United did over there yeah, I, I'm not fearful of any Barcelona player apart from the obvious Messi you just think could he be the one that, that turns the tide in the tie? Who knows? Um, but, but certainly Liverpool can go over to Barcelona. They can score at least once. And if, if Liverpool can get a couple of away goals, that sets us up perfectly for that second leg. I think it doesn't always suit Liverpool to play away first and, and home second, but in this occasion, I think perhaps it does. If Liverpool can go over there and exploit one or two potential weaknesses in that Barcelona back line, I think we could put ourselves in a position as, as being favourites to get through ahead of that second leg. I saw somebody um, tweet yesterday, I think it was, or whenever Barca played, uh, it was a journalist, I can't remember who it was, but um, saying that Sadio Mane could have a field day against the Barca right back because he wants to be so tight towards PK and 
Yeah, honestly, I think we'll go with. I think it'll be similar to Munich. I think we'll win three one, maybe even four. I honestly think we'll put a few wow. past them. Honestly, I, I really do. I don't. I think our front three, whoever they are, will just destroy their back line. Kind of, if for me, knows fit. I'd have him just sitting on Busquets because Busquets starts everything yeah. in that Barcelona side. If you stop him, you stop Messi. You stop Barcelona, in my eyes. And you talk about the front three there. We've, we spoke about Manny. We've not talked about Mohamed Salah, who's now <laughs> top scorer in the Premier League with 21. That's right, isn't it? You know, Matt, you were talking about uh, a tweet you've seen before the game, uh, be, uh, sorry, before the podcast, talking about he scored the most crucial goals, hasn't he, in games? You know, he's coming up against the player uh, on Wednesday night, Luis Suarez. And I, in my lifetime, I didn't really see Dalglish, obviously seeing Gerard and so, and people, uh, you know, friends, family told me about Sunes. Suarez to me is up there with the greatest Liverpool players I've seen. But then you look at the statistics; he can't hold the candle to Salah, no, can he? It's, it's, it's just—is he getting the appreciation he deserves? Probably this season, Salah. I don't know. I actually don't think so. I think everyone turned around in the last season. Went if Salah returns twenty goals again this season, over two years it'll be what sixty odd goals. You're taking that all day. Yeah. But then there was that little blip, which, by the way, Aguero won seven games without yep. a goal before yesterday. Yep. Um, didn't get mentioned. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but there was that when people not started questioning. But all great players have that little spell where things don't go well, and they just grind it out. And the great players come up like overcoming. And Salah's done that. He scored some massive goals in the last few weeks. It just feels like it's set up for him, doesn't it? European tie. There's the stage, mate. Go and do what you've got to do. Yeah, I th- is it 69 goals in 100 games? games? When you add in assists as well, it's like a goal contribution every game on average, which that, that's Messi and Ronaldo standards, isn't yeah. it? it? It is that good. And for him to have come in, and we weren't quite sure at the time what we were getting, to be honest. I don't think anyone could have predicted quite how well he's done, but for him to, to come in and make that much of a difference straight away, he is now world-class, even if yeah. Other fans and, and people don't see that he is world class. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Even when we signed him, I, I for me, I didn't realise how good he was until West Ham away in November. I think we beat them four 0 He got two. That the one where he just ran. For me, I was watching him going. He's not technically that good, but he's just scoring goals. Surely that can't continue. And then he just exploded after that. He's ridiculous. I I can't believe how good he is. Is there a comparison there? Can you make a comparison between Suarez 13, 14, that peak of his Liverpool career, and what Salah's done in these first 18 months, two seasons? No. Suarez dragged that team. Salah's a part of an amazing team. If you put Suarez in at the peak of his powers in this team, then Suarez will be doing a lot more numbers than Salah, I think. I think it's more the fact that what Suarez did that season in that team, even though we nearly won the title, it wasn't a title winning side. It just wasn't. Um, so Suarez for me just has the edge over him in that sense because I think if, as I say, Suarez in a better Liverpool team would have won things. But if Salah wins things at Liverpool, which he should do, he's that good, then there's no doubt who's the better, who would be the better of the two. It all depends on the winning things in my eyes. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that people have been speaking about Sadio Mane as being even better than Salah. So to have these two players in the side at the same time is is just fantastic. Uh, but yeah, to, to compare Salah and Suarez, I mean, it's really hard to, to pick one or the other, I think. Uh, you know, it, it is quite hard to 
to compare them in terms of the teams that they were involved in, but it, it's also difficult to compare them in terms of the position we've seen Salah play play wider. We, obviously, he's played through the middle as well this season, but I think for me, I probably preferred watching Suarez just just in terms of the way he'd he'd just do something out of nothing. I don't think Salah quite does that, but then the opposite side of that is Salah just just puts it in the net, and you know you can't argue with the numbers. I think. I think Salah will be at Liverpool longer than Suarez was and, and ultimately in the long term I think that's why he'll be looked back at as being better because I think it's inevitable that at some point he will win a trophy with Liverpool. Just before we wrap up, just got to ask you about Coutinho. Again, he's been someone we've talked about endlessly. But do you think what's proven as the months have gone by this season that, you know what, that's over now, that, that story. In the same way the Suarez story's over, Liverpool have moved on and maybe Coutinho hasn't moved on because, as you say, it looks like he's got a very uncertain future there. I said I made the five-point rant in yeah. our last podcast yeah. about why Coutinho shouldn't ever come back to Liverpool. He's going back in a Barcelona kiss next week, but I, I don't know why. I've just got this bad feeling that he's going to be welcomed back. Same with Suarez. Don't, don't bother Give them hell that night. Yeah. And then after they do whatever you want, be nice to them or whatever. Just at the end of the day, Liverpool needs to get to the European Cup final. Give them whatever nice abuse. Is that fair? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <That you> can. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I uh, actually spoke to a Barcelona fan, a piece that, that's out on the Echo website at the moment. And, and she was basically saying it's not even for sure that Coutinho will play against Liverpool because there's doubts about his mentality. He's not doing particularly well. And. And uh, Valverde may well pick Usman Dembele ahead of him anyway. Um, so I think to sign him for, what was it, 143 million quid and to not have him playing in a Champions League semi-final, that sums up pretty well how well he's doing at the moment. Um, I think she, she also said something along the lines of it's a bit frustrating how every time he gets the ball, he'll faint one way, go the other and shoot. Yeah. And that's, 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 that's exactly that's him, what we remember yeah. of him. You that's know. exactly it and I think that's what made us a better team because when we were nil-nil against a team at home or even away with 15 to go he must have about four or five shots in the last 15 minutes trying to put one in the top corner now we don't have that and we're looking we score more goals later on because we're not as desperate where he always seemed desperate to mm-hmm. yeah. do something ridiculous yeah yeah, I, I always think back to that game. I think it was Burnley at Anfield and it finished 1-1 yeah, yeah. Coutinho had nine or ten shots from outside the box and at least two of them went to the top tier of the Anfield road end, which is some achievement when you're trying to aim at the goal. <laughs> um, and, you know, as much as he was a fantastic player, I do think Liverpool are a better team without him. Can't disagree with that. We'll just round up now. We don't know when we're going to be back. We don't know what podcast we're doing over these next couple of weeks because everything depends on what's going to happen in the Champions League semi-finals in this uh, astonishing title race. So let's just have a quick one. Barca first leg. Vilbo, you've already said you're confident. Newcastle Saturday night. You think go there and and get one over Rafa? Yeah. Yeah. Matt, you the same? Yeah, I think Liverpool will... I think we'll draw in the new camp, but I think we'll score at least once. Maybe one all, two, two, something like that. I think we'll win both of our last Premier League games as well and it's it's all down to Brendan. Simple oh. as, win our next five, we will win at least one trophy. Which, going into your last five of the game season, if you would have said that at the start of the season, you would definitely have taken 100%. that one. Yeah. yeah, Lads, thanks very much for joining us. We'll have loads of podcasts this week, probably a lot from Spain with uh, Ian Doyle and James Pearce with the, the usual blood red, but we will be back very soon with you from the cop and we may be talking about one trophy, two trophies or on the, the cusp of a first or a second trophy, who knows, but uh, thanks very much for joining us. Thank <laughs> you.
listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.